Happy St. Patty's Day. Happy spring break. Happy Stimulus Day. That's the day we are coming to you recording. It is March 17th. Heard our last episode, we were talking about the fact that uh, we were entering uh, St. Patty's Day of uh, the week, but we are officially here, so hopefully you are celebrating safely. Uh, for those of you with children or in college, happy spring break. I know down here in Florida, Steve, I don't know about you down in Texas, down in Austin, yep. I see the rush of spring breakers. They, you know, the airport's been flooded Yep. With uh, people here in the Sunshine State looking to get away, uh, uh, you got the same thing going on down there. Yeah, because we're out in the lake, and so there's boats out. <laughs> yeah, parties all over the place. So, <laughs> oh man, so happy spring break and uh, happy stimulus day. Uh, you know, I, I know I woke up to a nice little uh, gift from the government, so I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast. As always, you can find the QB Spotlight Podcast. On Podbean and Apple iTunes, please feel free. The only way that this podcast can grow is through your feedback, whether that's messaging me at Eric C. Henry underscore on Twitter or Steve on Twitter at Steven, S-T-E-V-E-N, Hamner, H-A-M-N-E-R on Twitter or at the QB Spotlight account on QB Spotlight. The topics that we are about to talk about, the only way we know what you want to talk about is if you give us that feedback. So please, by all means, we take feedback, positive, negative, or otherwise, and negative feedback sent to me. Exactly. The positive stuff sent to Steve. And Steve, where else can you find this podcast besides on YouTube at QB Spotlight? Where else can you find us? So you'll find us at Draft Diamonds on Twitter. And then their website is www.nfldraftdiamonds.com. And they do a great job with, with everyone knows that everyone that's listening to the podcast kind of knows what they do. But they, they do a great job just covering kind of smaller school athletes. And they, they put us on their, uh, on their website, our YouTube, and our podcast. So give them a follow and just uh, keep up with them and all the great work that they do. Love to hear it. I am fired up. I'm still fighting. What is that? The daylight savings time? The daylight, whatever. It's the hour ahead, man. Yeah, Steve, you fighting it too? Man, not, so yes, not only me, you'll see this down the road, Eric, when you have kids because they get in a schedule. <laughs> and when, when you're used to them going to sleep at 8-ish, now it's 9, 9.30, and this just like throws everything else off. So trying to get that down. So in, any fathers out there, uh, holler at me for some advice, okay? Uh, I need it. So. <laughs> Baby J ready to sling the rock? He's, uh, he's up a little bit. Looking like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we got a uh, pack show for you. We're going to talk little FAU, little UAB. Uh, definitely going to talk, you know, uh, a lot of quarterback situations. We're going to get into uh, a little Memphis as well. Uh, Steve, really quick. I know before we jump into it, you know, we like to have a little fun back and forth. You were talking about, and you know, now this is a visual medium. People get a chance to see uh, that you need a haircut. That's what you said. I think you're looking all right, but you said you need a haircut. Um, is that a, tell me how that works. You said you're having a little trouble with the barbers. Yeah. Yeah. So without, you know, getting into my haircut expertise, because I usually go to sports clips, uh, but in Florida, I had a good barber. He's from South Philly. And so he knew how to cut hair, right? I could go in. He kind of fade me up. I'm actually fairly decent for, for what it's worth. But now I'm getting a haircut and like, usually I want it short and just a little bit in the front. And now everything is like even. You can't even tell I have like anything up in the front. It just looks like it's flat. Um, so not that anyone cares about my haircut problem. Uh, my wife just makes fun of me. But that's something you don't have to worry about, Eric. So uh, if you... Uh, you want to kind of tell us why you don't have to worry about that? That'd be great for all the listeners. I, I, absolutely. I will tell you why I don't have to worry about looking like you like a half-assed Jimmy Neutron. I apologize for my language. This is a PG podcast. Here's the, the situation. Uh, when I got to Chicago, <laughs> put the hood on. When I got to Chicago for grad school, right? So, you know, I'm a Floridian through and through. And uh, I got there, uh, it was like october September, October-ish. I, I had moved to Chicago. So I was heading into that winter period, right? I said, I kind of want to dip my toe in, you know, I want to see like the forties and fifties and kind of gradually progress my way down. Right. Uh, Chicago being the great city, this public transportation, 
I did not bring a car with me. So my main method of transportation was feet and then public transit, right? So I woke up one morning, right? And we're getting closer to winter now. It's November, December. It's like 24 degrees out. Mm -hmm. I woke up one morning. I'm like, yo, I can walk the mile and a half to that bus stop, take the bus 20 minutes to the other side of town. But then I have to walk a couple blocks to get to this barbershop. Great barbershop, by the way, down there in Irving Park. Recommend them. Uh, you know, do a great job with the cut. But I was already getting to that point where I'm like, yo, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to take a serious look and see what the situation here-wise is gonna be next couple of years, right? I could do that, or I could just take this razor and take a look and see what it's looking like, right? And I did that, and I was like, yo, I'm not walking out in that cold to go spend $25 on a haircut that really I go and just shave this thing, man. We're not too far off. Yeah. And that's uh how we ended up with the ball, with the ball. Uh, and listen. The ball look, man, you know, MJ in Chicago is honoring him. It made it work, right? You're in good company, brother. You're in good company, right? <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. But without further ado, we'll jump into the podcast. FAU, you know, we talked about their season. We've talked about them a lot over the past uh, few months and their quarterback situation, five and four. Willie Taggart in his first year. The offense definitely had some issues. Wasn't uh, necessarily stagnant per se, but believe it or not, uh, they're one of the few teams that averaged fewer points in FIU. We've talked about, you know, their offensive struggles, uh, for, or I should say quarterback struggles for FIU. They didn't have offensive struggles. Devontae Price put the rock in the end zone a lot via the ground. But yeah. FAU uh, averaged just a shade over 19 points a game. Their quarterback situation last year was mainly Nick Tronti, a little bit of Javion Posey, a little bit of Willie Taggart Jr. in some gadget package situations. Steve, I want to let you talk about kind of what you've assessed so far, and then I'll kind of jump in and on the back end and maybe provide a little context as well. Yeah, so I think, man, just like we've talked about throughout the whole season, and right now this is arguably probably one of the most wide-open quarterback battles in conference USA. Would you say it's probably accurate, Eric, as far as like – Oh, I, listen, you, you could say the whole league is pretty wide open as far as QB battles. But, uh, but absolutely – go ahead, Steve, I'm sorry. I think in the fact that it's literally like a three- to four-man race, it's not just like a two-man race, even though maybe Nick Tronti and really Taggart have gotten some, some headlines so far, really Taggart Jr., but I really think it's a four-man race compared to some of the other schools we'll talk about as more of a two-man race. Here's, here's what I'll say. Uh, for those who listened to our last episode, we kind of talked about the fact that you have certain races where even though you have four guys, really the coach kind of has an idea like, all right, this guy more than likely if he performs well in the spring and the fall is going to be my starter and this is kind of you know, probably going to be my backup. Uh, at FAU, legitimately, you can make the case, uh, not to say that I've talked to Willie Taggart or gotten in his head, but you can make the case that it's wide open between all four guys. That It's, it's legit split 25% across the line. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, so, so kind of, yeah, back to the point, it's just like, when you look at it, you're like, okay, there's, there's three or four guys in the, in, in the competition, so they all got to get equal-ish reps. Right? At some point, you have sure. two practice in the spring, and then you have fall. Uh, so it's one, how do you go about distributing those reps? And then two, how do you go about making those uh, tough calls of who's going to eventually get the, get the one, uh, the, the, the reps, the ones? Um, and so I thought – so Willie Tiger had a quote, um, and you probably know this, uh, this press – more than I do, just being in the, in the media field, the university press, are they in? Are they in Univer university press is one of the student run outlets there at FED Florida land. Okay. So by, by some of them, Trey Avent, uh, and he was, was quoting Willie Taggart said, Nick threw a, 
a couple of good balls in there, a couple of touchdowns. Uh, Willie ran for a touchdown. He did a couple of good things. So it seems like those two guys are at least doing, making some progress. We haven't heard much about Posey or Michael Johnson, but I think they're all similar quarterbacks and they're all athletic, right? You need to be athletic in that offense that they're going to run, a lot of RPO schemes. Uh, Tronti, of course, had the majority of playing time last year, but what sticks out to me is the, the completion percentage was under 53. And for you to be an effective offense and actually get the run game going and get your quarterback running, you need to be at, completing balls at a higher percentage. You want to be at least that 60-ish range. And I know Javion Posey had that one awesome game. I think it was, it was against FIU, right, where he just ran all over the place. Correct. Yeah, Correct. So, but besides that, the quarterback back position as a whole just didn't contribute as much as you'd want to. So I think another year hey, – hey, Steve, can I, can I stop for one quick second? Please. Sorry, typically I don't like to stop you when you know, in the no. middle of your explanation. But I know we've talked a lot about completion percentages, and I know we're going to talk about it with UAB as well. Can you just explain for those who may be first-time listeners and new listeners – why that's so important because i know you know we assume that most people come with a certain level of you know interest in knowledge but explain why that's so important as far as running your offense so i think so they're drive killers if you have a low completion percentage you're basically living not on a prayer but you're living on making a big play to 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 establishing a drive and completing the drive or not and so if you're only completing just a, a nick over half your passes, then you're going to have a lot of three and outs, maybe one first down and punt. And then you might have a big play for your score. And you don't want to rely on big plays for your score. You want consistent drives, consistent drives, consistent drives. So that's the biggest thing why a low completion percentage uh, is kind of leading to a, a faulty offense, if you will, offense with a bunch of holes. But FIU has the talent. FAU has athletic uh, ability at the quarterback position. It's now getting those guys to a place to complete more passes. And I think this year being much different than last year with COVID, I think this spring ball is going to be huge for, for every, every school, but especially FAU as they're looking for that quarterback. Do you kind of have a favorite? Um, you know, I know we've seen Nick Tronti play a little bit or, or a fair amount, you know, completing last year he was the primary starter. We've seen Javion Posey, definitely a dynamic athlete. Uh, you probably want to see him bulk up a little bit. He's definitely a, 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 someone who has a slight build. Yeah. Of course, Michael Johnson Jr., the son of offensive coordinator Mike Johnson. Michael Johnson Jr. was at Penn State, former four-star recruit uh, at Penn State. Um, then also Willie Taggart Jr., of course, the son of Willie Taggart, the head coach. Do you kind of have, you know, from just what you've seen, and of course we haven't seen much of Willie Taggart Jr. at quarterback. We've seen him kind of in gadget situations. What's kind of your read, per se? And maybe if you were ranking him or just your favorites or your thoughts on the guy specifically. That's, a good, that's such a good question. Um, because we saw mostly Nick Tronti last year, but for whatever reason, I just can't get the idea out of my head that, you know, Michael Johnson, uh, I think the junior, Michael Johnson. Michael was, Johnson Jr., yes. He was a four-star. He was a big-time recruit, went to Penn State. So from a tool standpoint, I haven't seen him play in college, but you just have to imagine, uh, you know, he looks like a four-star. And according to 24-7 Sports, I was reading this earlier, they were even projecting him to be a potential uh, wide receiver at the next level. Right. So that tells you that his athleticism right there is huge. So – if I had to rank them, man, that's such a good question. Um, but for whatever Listen, reason, it's, it's early, brother. It's spring. Yeah. We can revisit this in fall. For whatever reason, man, I'm, I might put Michael Johnson there just because I haven't seen him play. And so usually it's counterintuitive, but I've seen Tronti play. You know, I feel like I got a good grasp on him. I've seen Posey play, great runner. I haven't seen much Taggart, and I haven't seen any of, of, of Michael Johnson. So I, I might put Johnson first. Then that's just speculation. But that's just for the, the pure mindset of projecting him, projecting his talent to eventually take over that position. Is that fair? I think that's fair. This is the big thing. I'll just kind of give you my two cents. Yeah. I and, you know, um, Willie Taggart, the most success that Willie Taggart has had as a collegiate head coach was at USF. And we've talked about this on this podcast, other podcasts. 
the Gulf Coast offense, right? That is his version of the West Coast offense. For those who may not know, Willie Taggart's coaching tree stems back to Stanford. Uh, his, his time as a collegiate player was spent under Jack Harbaugh. That led him to introduction to coach under Jim Harbaugh, of course, the son of Jack Harbaugh at Stanford. Uh, he played for Jack Harbaugh at Western Kentucky. Uh, hopefully I'm, I'm giving you guys an educational lesson there and kind of the Willie Taggart coaching tree and kind of where his offensive principles come from, right? So his version of the West Coast offense, having spent time uh, at Stanford, and that was kind of some of the principles that, that Jim Harbaugh implemented there with the Cardinal. It's an offense that has West Coast offense principles, but it allows for an athletic quarterback to kind of get in there and do some things as far as using his legs. A lot of that success he had at South Florida is with Quentin Flowers. That's not to say that you can only be an athletic, quote-unquote, dual-threat quarterback to, to run that offense efficiently. However, the bulk of his success was there with a Quentin Flowers type. Spring that forward to Florida Atlantic, I think personally, Willie Taggart's offenses run best when he has someone who is not a – someone who the – defense who the defense has to respect and be like oh okay they may run the football and yeah. nick tronti better athlete that people give him credit for but he's not necessarily a dynamic dual threat that you might see necessarily with javian posey now with posey the big thing with him was the ability to throw the football for quentin flowers even though he didn't necessarily carve out a career in the nfl as a quarterback i believe he spent time with cincinnati as a running back uh, and spent some time in some other leagues uh, xfl and otherwise as a quarterback quentin flowers was a, an above average throw of the football if you look at his time at usf Threw for over 2,500 yards, I believe three times, if my memory serves me correct, right? So to spring that, you know, to kind of their quarterback situation, I think you have to find that right blend. I know you're almost saying in a perfect world, of course you want someone who can run and throw efficiently, right? It's not necessarily saying that they have to be, you know, um, Justin Fields, right? It's not saying they have to be an, a five-star at both, in both capabilities. It's saying that you probably want someone who's an above-average runner that the defense has to do more than just respect but also, when it's third and five, third and six, third and seven, it can get the ball to the playmakers, you know, um, uh, when the, all those opportunities are there. So if that is Michael Johnson, I would say you probably want to project him a little bit higher. Let's just see what Javen Posey. We know the type of athlete is, a track athlete. You know, mm-hmm. we saw, or I saw, what he mm-hmm. did against FIU. Um, but his passing, the passing skills need to develop a little bit more. And then, of course, Willie Taggart Jr. is the wild card. So you kind of know what you have in Nick Tronti, my opinion. I, I would put a lot of my emphasis if I were in Willie Taggart's shoes into kind of exploring what you have with the other guys. Agreed. I got nothing to add. That's, you wrapped it up good. Yep. Sure. So let's go and transition to UAB. That is a situation that for the past few years has been a very much a boom or bust style offense, right? When I say boom or bust, it's either been touchdown or interception. First down, three and out. A thing that has helped that offense tremendously, in my opinion, I'm sure Steve, you would agree, is a dynamic running game, one that was really boosted and bolstered by Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown, one of the most dynamic running backs in Conference USA, maybe all of G5 football, someone who you think probably has a pro future in his, a pro career in his future as he is moving on, graduated from uh, UAB. They return a good running back in Dwayne McBride, who had he had enough carries, had under 100 carries last year, would have led, not UAB, he already led UAB, would have led Conference USA in rushing yards per attempt. Steve, he's someone who had, uh, if my memory serves me correct, something like 50 or 60 carries for 480-something yards. So would have averaged almost eight or nine yards a pop um, had he you know, had enough, qual- enough carries to qualify for, for the rushing lead there, the, the yards per attempt. So you know the run game will still be there. However, you still want to see more from the passing game. And over the past few years, the completion percentages have been down. 
TD to INT ratio has been pretty, pretty mm-hmm. abysmal. So, Steve, I'll let you take it away and talk about the guys that they uh, will be in play for Bill Clark and Brian Vincent. So I think right now, I think we, we probably have a two-man race in Bryson Lucerio and Tyler Johnson the, the third, uh, And, of course, other people could emerge. But those are the guys that played the, the bulk last year. And then, of course, Tyler Johnson the third playing the majority of the games the, the year before. And, <clears throat> um, and, and like Eric said, the completion percentage, very similar to FAU, the completion percentage has been what's kind of held that UAB offense back, if you will. And they've had a great running game that, that could kind of like mask that that uh, inefficiency as, as as a passing team but I think for them to take that next step offensively they, they really need to find ways and scheme up plays and have uh, just specific play designs for high complete completion percentage throws and um, the, another thing you want to touch you, you want to talk about here is the, the interception rate as well that's something Tyler Johnson third did much better this year and and uh, you know springtime with Lucerio he had uh, seven touchdowns, only one interception, and then Bryson had seven touchdowns and eight interceptions last year. So Bryson definitely had the majority of the interceptions. And TJ3 actually, I thought, played better at times last year, but it's just that inconsistency factor. The inconsistency on both of them. Both have the ability to push the ball downfield. You know, Lucero has a very good arm. We've seen that. Uh, but the arm strength doesn't necessarily matter if you can't make those third and five, those third and sixes, those quick slants. Um, so I think offensively they need to come up with a with a with a this this a, a design a scheme that's going to help complete those short passes and regardless who wins that quarterback competition, if you can get that completion percentage over sixty ish for UAB would be huge in my opinion. Steve, I want to ask you this: It always felt to me personally that whether it's been Bryant, I'm, I'm about to say Bryant Vincent, uh, Bryson Lacero, TJ three, or even Dylan Hopkins, you know prior years they all kind of look the same yeah is that fair the fair assessment quarterbacks i think it's pretty i think tj3 is probably a bit more athletic and lucero probably has a stronger arm but in general i agree yes so what does that say to you right because when you look at this offense it's not necessarily that one guy is i don't want to say that one guy is distinctly better or worse than the other i think all three quarterbacks in my opinion and after the full disclosure a lot of my saturdays i'm already in a press box i get to watch uab on the back end. I don't get a chance to watch them live. But it feels to me almost as if all three quarterbacks are a product of the offense they're in yeah. as opposed to necessarily a product of their talent. Is that you think that's a fair assessment? I would agree 100%, yes. Okay, so want to dive into offensive coordinator Bryant Vincent's offense here. Uh, Brian Vincent has been at the helm. Uh, I believe this is his fourth season, memory serves me correct. He was there. He took over the 2018 season. Uh, I believe the 2017 season from memory serving correct was Les Coning, who went to Southern Miss as the running backs coach. Prior to his time at UAB, he was offensive coordinator for Joey Jones at South Alabama for three seasons. What does it say to you? And once again, I, I, I you know, I, I'm not the person to give you a deep, deep, uh, deep, deep, a deep dive into Brian Vincent's offense. I'm just taking a look at some of the numbers here and asking him questions, you know, from a layman's perspective. The highest completion percentage. In the six years, the past six years that Brian Vincent has been offensive coordinator, has been just a shade above 56%. Steve, where would you like to see your offense, you know, if you're talking about, uh, you know, quarterbacks, where do you want to see that completion percentage kind of kind of range between for an ideal offense? You, you at least want to be above that 60 ish. That's usually like the ideal mark is that 60 ish mark, you know, and if, if it's below, that's okay, as long as the touchdown interception ratio is, you know, far and in between, that four to one plus type deal, that's a little balanced. But typically, you want that 60-ish plus range for sure. So I'm putting you on the spot here, right? This is the million-dollar question. And I think we've kind of talked around a little bit as far as the quarterbacks, maybe their skill set within the offense. 
from what I've seen of UAB, and again, like I said, I tend to spend my pro times in press boxes. I'm typically occupied at FA at FIU. Damn it, uh, it's a dollar in the jar uh, yeah. when I mix with FAU and FIU. But um, Steve, yeah. from what I see, it's a very much a boomer bust offense, right? You know, you see a lot of, and when I mean by boomer bust, I want to explain this to the listeners. If you look at the receivers they've had, Austin Watkins, Myron, Myron Mitchell, Kendall Parham. Those are guys who usually consider deep threats because their yards per catch, usually above 15, 16, 17 yards per catch. And you look at the yards per attempt with their quarterbacks, they're throwing the ball downfield. It's not like they're dinking and dunking and, you know, two and three yard passes. Some of those interceptions do appear to be, in my opinion, it's very much like, hey, you know, we, we got, <laughs> they're not necessarily running all go routes, but they're a lot, they're asking their quarterbacks to throw the ball downfield a fair amount. And I'm just curious from your POV, do you think necessarily that their quarterbacks aren't equipped and that's not using the best, um, that's not using to the best of their abilities in terms of their skill set? Or it's just a matter of, hey, still kind of searching for that right guy and finding that right mix between we're going to yeah. push the ball downfield and, you know, maybe finding some efficiency. Because again, it, all this discussion we're having about UAB, they've won the conference two out of four years. Yeah. It's not that they're losing games by any stretch of the imagination. You know, this is not a situation like uh, you can look at other programs and say, hey, the offense, like a Rice, for example, where Rice is maybe just that one quarterback away from, all right, mm-hmm. three, four, five wins to six, seven, eight wins. Mm-hmm. UAB is still successful, but it's just finding that consistency at quarterback that could probably take them to, you know, being among the, the upper echelon of group of five teams. So, uh, I, I've, you know, I've cushioned it enough. I'll let you have at it there. Yeah. I, I, so to answer your question, and like Eric, it's not like we watch, you know, UAB on a regular basis, but we try to get eyes on the film. I think it's probably a combination of, too many deep shots being taken and and just not kind of working to your quarterback's skill set, if you will, and and allowing him to get in a rhythm. Just like, you know, we've talked before in the podcast, if a quarterback's in a rhythm and he, he's kind of in, in a groove, for, so, so to say, so to speak, then he's going to be more confident and push the ball downfield. And if he starts off the game 0 for 3, then as a quarterback mentally, you're, all, you're always thinking, man, okay, I haven't had a completion yet. Now I'm throwing this deep ball, I'm 0 for 4, as opposed to a quick screen, quick slant, quick swing out to the, to the running back, whatever it may be, just to get his confidence going a little bit and to kind of get in that feel. So that's something to think about offensively. And then, like you said, they've already they've been so successful in conference even with the quarterbacks kind of that boomer bust uh, uh, kind of feel but I think for them to take the next step and maybe be what you know not compare them to like a UCF or anything but for them to go undefeated and have that like UCF feel that they've had or that Cincy feel and be like okay these are the this is the Cinderella of the group of five this year if, if you will I think offensively they do need to take that next step and that and a bit more firepower from the throwing game will potentially help them with that next step to, to be that, for lack of better terms, that Cinderella uh, group of five program that we've seen from Cincy and UCF and uh, a few other schools the past few years, even Liberty to an extent, even though they're not in the, in the group of five. No, Steve, I think that's a good analogy. I think you're, you're fair in saying taking that next step towards, you know, the UCFs, the Boise States of the world who are kind of not just the head of their conference, but the top tier in group of five football, look at Bill Clark's record. So 2014. And remember Bill Clark stayed with the program through the shutdown when he had opportunities to leave and he should be commended for that. Mm -hmm. You know, not very many coaches are going to say, Hey, we're shutting this program down. I'm going to stay, you know, three years things get back together. But first year, six and six, second year, eight and five, they lost in the Bahamas bowl. Uh, the, The third year, 11 and three, they win the conference 2019 win the West. So they've won the West three straight years, losing the new Orleans bowl nine and five. And then last year, and of course, the truncated season, six and three, win the West, win the conference. So what Steve's saying to his point, 
you got a little bit better quarterback play. Maybe those, you know, 11 and three, nine and fives, maybe that 11 and three is a, a you know, 12 and one or a 13 and one, you know, um, quick man. Yeah. It could be a 13 and one, maybe that, that nine and five, that's another 10 win year right there. And mm-hmm. that brings you out of the discussion of, Hey, we're the beasts of CUSA into that perennial group of five conversation. So I think that's a fair expectation on your part. As we transition to our final team, we're going to talk about that's Memphis. Want to get your thoughts on that quarterback race there. You know, Peter Parrish, Grant Gannell, definitely guys with a little bit of different skill sets in Memphis. You know, of course they've been quarterbacked by the great Brady White, who mm-hmm. seems to have been in college football for uh, uh, many of years, but his tenure has now come to an end. Brady White probably joining us, you know, in, in our third, in his thirties soon enough. Uh, Steve, uh, what do you got with, uh, with Memphis? Yeah. So I think they just got their spring practice underway um, just a few days ago. I think like, I think UAB started recently and Memphis just started recently. And I have a quote from the uh, Memphis commercial appeal, which I guess is a newspaper. Um, the, the, that's the newspaper of record in Memphis. Correct. And um, Evan Barnes was the, was the one who, who wrote this article, but it, it gives us a glimpse of Grant Gannell and kind of what the competition is going to have a feel. And this was written a, a little while ago before spring started, but still relevant. Um, and so this is coach Silverfield talking about Grant Gannell. He's got all those intangibles you talk about, like with Brady White. He's smart. He's a big kid. He's almost like Pax, he's almost Paxton Lynch type size and hardworking. Uh, that was a quote about uh, about Grant Cannell, uh, the transfer from Arizona. And then he says, Silverfield goes on to say, we, we have what we feel at least four guys currently in the roster that are capable of being a starting quarterback here. I think competition brings the best out in anybody. Grant Cannell will be competing. Uh, Peter Parrish, who will be a sophomore, who was a transfer from LSU previously. And then uh, uh, incoming recruit and freshman Keelan Brown. Uh, so th- in my opinion, this is one of those things where a coach is saying, hey, we got four guys competing, but it's probably a two-man race between Peter Parrish and Grant Gannell. Two different quarterbacks who we've talked about before in the podcast. Gannell is going to be more of a, a, a true pocket presence guy who wants to sit in the pocket and just rip it, throw it all over the field. Peter Parrish is more of that dual threat guy who can throw it, but he wants to use his legs to help open up the throwing game and has a different uh, a different. Uh, set of tools and, and set of skills that the defense has to prepare for. So I think it's two different offenses, essentially. Regard, uh, two different offenses will be ran depending who will win that starting quarterback position. But like, like we've seen before, Memphis has a history of good quarterbacks from Raleigh Ferguson, Brady White, Paxton Lynch. And so uh, I would expect nothing less. I would expect uh, a good quarterback to come in and continue the reins that Memphis has and continue to be one of the top AAC teams. Steve, real quick, wanna, before we finish up, I want to ask you this about that quarterback situation. We've talked about, and of course, I know you pay attention to the American pretty closely. We've talked about the various quarterback situations across that conference. Do you feel, just as a whole, yeah. if Memphis kind of gets that situation right and the quarterback play is, let's just say, above average, right? Yeah. Do you think they are in that mix with UCF and you know some of the other teams, uh, Tulane's and Houston's yeah. of the world who are looking to contend in the American? Yeah, I think for I think for sure, based on the past few years and the athletes they have around the quarterback, I would say definitely that they should be in contention with at least above average quarterback play. Um, yeah, I mean, when you look at Memphis, the thing that the thing that I've always found most intriguing about that conference is, and I'm you know what? Before we close, I want to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, it seems if some of the programs have tried to out UCF UCF in terms of scoring, and I think Memphis was pretty equipped to do that, right? Brady White. Mm-hmm. Daryl Henderson is with the LA Rams. Um, come on, who's the other run back? Uh, my man with the Cowboys. Um, um, Tony Paul, no. Um, 
Pollard, Pollard, yeah, yeah, Pollard. Pollard. yeah I, I, there we go, right? I was like, they've had so many bats come through there, right? And, and even now, you know, just the, the litany of, of, of talent they've had there, you know, Antonio Gibson, I mean, just a, a ton of, of talent that, that's been there at, uh, at Memphis, right? They've almost taken the approach, right, that they're going to kind of out UCF, UCF, just not quite enough, you know, firepower to do so. And then you look at a team like Tulsa. Tulsa said, we're going to take the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do have, you know, some talent at quarterback, but Zayvon Collins, a hell of a defensive player, right? I mean, that, that guy's a stud. And when they beat UCF, that's because they put, Dylan Gabriel couldn't get the ball off. Yeah. Um, what's kind of your thoughts on that, right? Do, do, you, do you feel in that conference, you know, uh, yeah. Tulane, you know, Michael Pratt, solid quarterback, but they have had defense as yeah. well, Patrick Johnson and guys like that. What's this kind of your thoughts, per se? I know this is a quarterback podcast, yeah, so, you know. It's interesting, and, and, and I can kind of relate to the quarterback position, but I think, like, even, like, Cincinnati is probably your perfect blend. Cincinnati, of, there you go, solid, right? Solid, like, badass defense, right? But also their offense is explosive like that. That's, like, what, uh, you know, UCF fans would, would want in their defense, right? It's a mix of a good defense with the explosive offense, which Cincinnati had last year. So I think that's perfect, a good example. I think Memphis, going back to them, I don't think they had that defense that Tulsa had or that, that Tulane has had. So they ha- I think they played to their strengths, and their strengths happened to be the same strengths that you know, UCF has had. And so it was like, okay, let's just see what we got. I think – didn't they beat UCF this past year in 2020? Who are you referring to? Memphis, right? Memphis beat UCF this past year. I – don't believe. So I think I can double check it. Right? It's, a, I don't. I don't think they did. But you know, we, I'm gonna have to double, double, double check that. But, but we're, the, we're gonna give you a peek behind the curtain. All right, fill time. Fill <laughs> time, Steve. Fill time. But, but the, mor- the moral behind the story remains the same. That the reason why Memphis has gone more offense to beat UCF or to compete with UCF is because that's the type of players that they've had compared to Tulsa, more defense. Uh, Cincinnati had a blend. Tulane, more defense with a, with a quarterback that is developing. So I think Memphis has had to play to their strengths to beat or play up to UCF's competition. Steve, that may have been the UCF alumni uh, alum in me that was suppressing that. The, the, not only was that a game I should, should remember, I mean, that was a hell of a game. It was the 50-49 game. That was that, and, and I think that's the game Dylan Gabriel and Brady White set all types of records. That I remember writing an article for Underdog Dynasty about that game, the quarterback play, and all these records that happened. Um, 601 yards from Dylan Gabriel, uh, 486 for Brady White. So, um, yeah, that, that's a game that uh, I very much should remember, but it's probably the, the Yusuf alum in me that's, uh, that's trying to suppress that. And I think we had a situation right at the end with an extra point, or was it a field? Some, right? Two points. Because remember, remember the kicker took some heat? What was that? Yes, yes. Right. And the backup quarterback for UCF was taking heat on Twitter. For right. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, okay. Listen, Steve's a father, so he has an excuse. I don't have an excuse. I should remember that. I've been, you know, you follow me for CUSA coverage, all right? You know, go to Joe Broback, at Joe Broback on Twitter for the American. His fault. We'll blame that on him. He should, he should have had us prepared for this. <laughs> Absolutely. But with that being said, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast. Uh, mention it one quick time, do a quick rundown. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at QB Spotlight. You can find Steve on Twitter at Stephen Hamner, S-T-E-V-E-N-H-A-M-N-E-R. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. And please leave reviews and follow us on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Steve's got the YouTube channels putting out great content there. Just go and punch up QB Spotlight. And you get a more visual medium of some of the things that he's talking about in terms of quarterback play. Thank you for listening. Happy football watching, everybody. Spring football is here. It's back. Uh, enjoy it because then we'll be heading to the dark months of the summer in which we'll just be waiting for the fall. So uh, stay safe out there and we'll catch you next week.